podcast ain't played nobody Sunday S and P plus hurry up edition. At least we had Bedlam to watch. Yeah, and it actually was. uh, You know, you hear it's a lopsided rivalry that gets credit for being crazy, uh, and it it was actually crazy. Was uh, other than that, it was a a day that you definitely had to scrape to find some merit in. I mean, it really wasn't supposed to be any kind of upset weekend. It no. just was going to be mild, and it, it eventually was. Yeah, but. no, it, it was... Yeah, you can count on some chaos, and, and to be sure, there's plenty of oddity going on in college football right now, but it was... Uh, yeah, it was, it, was not the, it was not the liveliest Saturday we've ever experienced. Sorry that we complain sometimes, but can't, can't, uh, can't make that up. Can't, can't pretend to be more excited about that than... Than we are. Spoiler alert, don't look at the schedule for next week yet. It's more of the same. All right, let's jump right to it. You ready for the fastest? Uh, it's not really the fastest. It's just 25 minutes of the S&P Plus. Uh, we're going to start at number 25 as soon as I get my timer ready, which I didn't do. And you're not killing time for me either as oh, I do it. Yeah, sorry, that's my right, job. Are you ready? I'm vamping. Okay. Three, two, boom, let's go. Let's start with, uh, you know, when you beat Oregon State, of course, you you really do receive the spoils of war. And in Stanford's case, they are in the top 25 of the S&P Plus. Yeah, and, and I mean, they are above 500, which is rare. This is The, the records this year basically turned into like nine and seven is good. It's like six and four Stanford. Hey, that's pretty good. Good job this year. You're above 500. Here's your top 25 spot. They did look really good. I mean, that's that's how they're supposed to look. We were complaining that they really weren't. Uh, doing what they were supposed to do, well, they did. It was it just they did it against a terrible team. Uh, look, we already get uh, already at number twenty four. We get to justify your uh, S and P plus uh. rankings because North Texas moved up despite losing in an upset to Old Dominion. Yeah, um, I, here I'm pulling up the little the old post game win probabilities here. Uh, this was a game where they were up twenty eight nothing in in about a minute and a half. Uh, then I completely took my eye off it. Didn't feel I felt needed, it needed any of my attention. Uh, and then I come, I flip over and see that Old Dominion is tying the game or taking the lead with like 18 seconds left or something. Post game win probability for this one by, was North Texas by 71 uh, at 71 percent. Uh, it took a lot for Old Dominion to come back, but yeah, it's still I, I do. It does not. Here, here's where I'll just defend that S and P Plus is still doing very well, and so therefore I'm not going to question it too much, even though that's really weird. All right, uh, number twenty-three, your Missouri Tigers, another yeah. six and four team. Hey, that's right. Just be above five hundred. They, <laughs> it is funny, still like peeking over at the Mizzou internet. Sometimes they were as pissed as you would expect that they only beat that they, that Vanderbilt had the ball late with a chance to win, mm-hmm. um, but just freaking win. Like you, it doesn't doesn't matter. We saw the ceiling last week. We saw the ceiling when Missouri whooped Florida. Uh, now we saw, you know, a team that still has a revolving door at receiving core. Um, they just don't have uh, a, a healthy receiving core at all. Emmanuel Hall's back, but now Okawebanam is still out. They were playing a freshman tight end. Uh, passing game wasn't all that great. Uh, run game was better, but they, you know, they started flat. They came back. They won. Whatever. Uh, number 22, I, I don't understand what everybody says. Like, I saw Will Muschamp help Florida mount a late-game offense and win the game yesterday. You saw Urban Meyer's successor at Florida. Yeah. Help Florida. Florida. Yeah. To yeah. Win. So I what mean, was the problem there? Yeah. No. Um, this is actually, like, a low-key good game. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, and it was one of those where you look at the uh, the win probability chart uh, that, that ESPN has in its little game cast stuff. Uh, it's a little roller coaster, but Florida, whatever. They, Florida got whooped last week. They got whooped the week before against Georgia. Uh, they were getting whooped in this one, and then they 
rallied. They figured something out. They, maybe they needed a little Weld Muschamp help to do it, but they did respond, and they moved what? Yeah, they were down to 27th after last week. They're back up to 22nd. This is the second, by the way, in one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive SEC teams, by the way, that we're going to be talking about. That was convenient, but no, it was fun. <laughs> they, they rallied. That's all I can really... Man, it's, it's hard to even say nice things about the teams that won today. Man, yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of weekend. So number 21, Texas A&M, one nice thing you can say here is, again, another big fourth quarter surge, but also... It was going to be a game where they played like Ole Miss, which Ole Miss can some kind of like bizarrely yeah. oh, trick yeah. you into doing and oh, getting yeah. into that punch for punch thing. Um, but then they just basically stopped turning the ball over and then Ole Miss got inefficient. And that's all it really took for a better team to win the game. Yeah, th- this there is one thing. I mean, obviously, it is probably not where Jimbo Fisher wants it to be. Go figure. Um, but right now they are an immensely well-rounded team. They are great at nothing, but they are 30th in offense. They're 35th in defense. They're 25th in special teams. So yeah, when you're playing in a hilariously imbalanced team like Ole Miss, uh, you've got a lot more, uh, a lot more different tricks you can try throughout the course of a game. And they found stuff that worked. Uh, We'll do a little quick skip ahead, obviously, because number 20 is Auburn. We'll talk about them in a second. Number 19 is Mississippi state. And we will talk about them as we climb further up, you know, spoiler alert and all. Uh, that takes us to LSU at number 18. Um, so <laughs> as, I, uh, as I mentioned to you before we went on the air, I had uh, before 9 a.m. this morning two fire Ed Orgeron texts from LSU fans that I know because it was a meager seven-point win over Arkansas in what I guess you can classify as a hangover game. I guess they were supposed to come out and win 52 to nothing. I will say this. They did not have a lot of offense. They did no. not have a lot of really anything on that side of the ball. This is now two weeks in a row. Of course, obviously, Alabama is, is in effect, outlier, but you can't really give LSU fans any quarter here because they'll just go nuts with it. But there is, there's an issue with the offense. They are increasingly conservative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, this has been them all year, I will say. And, and they've just been more year- effective at being conservative? I mean, I don't even, I mean, you know, you remember what I was saying. I didn't even think they were effective at being conservative in September um, or any time since, but they were basically, they were really able to play despite a dramatically inefficient uh, run game and and a basically two good plays a game passing game. They were able to ride defense and and opportunism to a, a really nice start to the season. This was, well, let's put it this way. They projected to win this game by nine and they won it by seven. Like they, the, you know, S&P has never been blown away by this team. And, mm-hmm. and to be sure, you know, they go up 24-3 or whatever it was, and they go three and out, five and out, turn the ball over on downs. And Arkansas basically has two good drives the entire game. And that was enough to scare the hell out of LSU late. But to their credit, they got the ball back with about six minutes left. And Arkansas didn't touch it again. They, they, that was when they absolutely needed to get their act together uh, and run out the clock and not let Arkansas uh, get another shot to tie the game. And Arkansas never touched the ball again. So good for them. Uh, we will talk about Scani at number 17, also at 6-4 and four in just a second, as Penn State is a little further north. Uh, let's talk about number 16, Washington State. Um, a little slow starting, yep. but, um, you know, Colorado's a hot mess. Uh, I watched part of this game. I know you did. Um, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't anything effective. It wasn't anything really mind blowing in, in terms of the Washington State offense. But they did exactly what they needed to. Um, it was kind of a grinded out win. As much as like I know playing Cal last week was really sort of the grinded out win yeah. for Washington State. But this was another where. 
they looked a little flat and ineffective early on, and then they did just enough basically against a, a really hapless team in Colorado who looked really bad. Yeah, Colorado ended up averaging, because of a couple big plays, they ended up averaging like a half yard per play better. Uh, but from a success rate perspective, it was 42% for, for Washington State, which is basically average, and it was 33% for Colorado. They just, yeah, they are... They don't really know what they do well right now. And uh, even with Chenault back, they just didn't have a lot going for them there. So the, the postgame win expectancy for this was 91% for Washington State. Good win. I mean, look, Colorado's plummeting. But uh, at this stage in the game, first of all, any win's a good win. Plus, they, yeah. won by, they won by more than they were projected to win by. So hard to complain. You can be ugly and win on the road when it's conference play. It's yeah. totally fine. Uh, next up, our, our friends over at Utah, who we've always loved, and I personally am a huge fan of, as, as the show has, has established. Absolutely. Uh, 32-25 over Oregon. Um, injuries didn't seem to matter. No, good for them, too. I mean, they especially, you know, we're talking about building a lead and then giving it up. They were in control for most of this game, and then suddenly Oregon starts to find some traction later in the game, but they responded. They kept responding. Um, that is not something when you've lost your quarter, when your quarterback's been hurt and your running back's hurt and all these things, that, that is not a given. But when their offense needed points, they scored. Um <laughs> I do. It, it is funny. Like we, the, the Pac-12 South remains a giant mess. And part of that is Utah's fault. Despite the injuries, they still figured out to way to, how to lose to Arizona state. If they hadn't, they'd be, mm. in, they'd be golden right now, but they did. And they're in a giant mess and, and the best they're going to do is six and three. And they might not win the damn division, but uh, this is the, uh, for the season as a whole, they have undoubtedly been the best team in the Pac-12 South. And it would be a shame if they, <laughs> it, 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 when that's the case, if they didn't win their first South title too. I don't want to breeze over App State next, uh, just because I mean they they beat up a bad Texas State yeah. State team, thirty eight to seven. But who wins the Pac twelve South? Just to put you on the spot. Um, it feels like Arizona State has the most direct yes. path because they've beaten Utah and because they still have Arizona. Technically, Arizona still there, um, legally alive. Legally alive, but I do think Arizona State. What? Who do they have? Oregon, I think, left on the schedule too. So basically. If they, yeah, they, if they lose to Oregon and beat Arizona, that, that pretty much hands it to Utah as, as long as Utah loses or wins their last conference game against, yeah, Colorado next week. So as long as they win at Colorado, which, again, could be weird, but they should, uh, pro- I take my answer back. It's Utah. It's Utah. Okay. All right. That was circuitous, but that's a, it doesn't matter. Okay. Sorry, Upstate. We love you. You're really good. Texas State is really bad. I don't know what yeah, else to all say. The, all the talk about how Texas, State's, Texas State has been improving, uh, App State's still a whole hell of a lot yeah, better. Way, way better. Okay. Let's jump up to Penn State. Uh, they beat Wisconsin 22 to 10. Very nice. I mean, just an aggressive win. Wisconsin had their backup quarterback in, um, which is going to be a hindrance because as much as as maligned as Hornybrook has been over mm-hmm. the last few years, he's better than Jack Cohn. Um, Wisconsin didn't trust Cohn to throw a pass over about five yards. Uh, Penn State just teed off on him. Uh, didn't allow it. Like they allowed a big run to Jonathan Taylor right at the beginning of the game, and that was pretty much it. They Wisconsin did nothing offensively after that, and Penn State was just able to kind of ease ahead and play their offense and not take many risks and ran easily. the ball a lot too. Huh? Ran the ball a lot too. Yes. Miles Sanders was all over it. Yeah, I mean, when you're obviously we, we've talked a lot about you know James Franklin falling back on like his conservative tendencies and whatnot. But when you've got a quarterback, when you're playing against a quarterback who clearly is overwhelmed and isn't going to do anything, yeah, you don't need to take any chances. Hey, it's West Virginia. It's hey, our West pals. Virginia. It's our pals over at West Virginia. Spoiler Come alert: in. Tomorrow's resume S and P Plus rankings. They have almost caught Oklahoma because when they look good, what? they when they look good, they destroy you. So that means they're going to win the conference, right? Right, right? 
So they're up to um, uh, 12th in S&P Plus. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, they're going to they're gonna beat Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something fun, something different, right? It's going to happen. <laughs> well, what's, what's sad about that is, you know, yes, it would be something different. Yes, I was rooting for Oklahoma State against Oklahoma. Oklahoma is one of our chances to actually have fun in the playoff. That and is so, true. And so I was really kind of conflicted. I was instinctively rooting for OSU because I like upsets. But then at the same time, I want I, – if, if, like, if it's going to be so static at the top, I want Kyler versus Tua in the semifinals, by God. I'm, you know, I'm bringing up, like, West Virginia beating out Oklahoma only for change for change's sake. But we'll talk about Oklahoma in a second. But – in terms of actually having a fun semifinal game, um, well, we'll talk about it when we get there. But, but they, they definitely know how to conduct and survive explosive <laughs> shootouts. <laughs> right. So, they don't get discouraged when their defense is struggling. Absolutely not. Okay. Our friends over at Washington come in next at number 11, so we'll jump right ahead. I was worried. I was very, very worried <laughs> yesterday about Utah me. State. He I pinged was, me. I was extremely worried about our dear, beloved Aggies. You didn't have to be. Yeah, so it was 10-10. Well, we did for a minute. Yeah, it was like 10-10 yes. against a horrible San Jose State uh, early in the second quarter, I believe. And from that point, it was, what, 52-14? to 14? It was, what, 62-24 was the final? Yeah, Utah State scored 28 before the half in the second <laughs> quarter and then another 24. But I will say, I mean, reason for alarm, San Jose State, 24 points total. Um, not a lot of – I mean, I, I guess junk time actually would have – yeah, I was going to say not a lot of junk time because it was – Evenly distributed, but the lead was so big by the third quarter, they basically didn't score 14 in junk. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, giving up any points is going to ding you a little bit, but when everybody else around you is losing, um, yeah, they were really, because, I mean, we'll talk about Fresno in a minute. You'll notice we haven't talked about freaking Fresno yet. Um, And that Bill's happy about it. Yeah, but so Fresno struggled and UCF struggled and all this. Utah State did not. All right, well, let's go ahead and talk about it because Fresno State comes in at number nine. Um, so Fresno state, these things happen, Bill, you don't have to be <laughs> upset about it. Um, Boise state, of course, this is back on Friday night, uh, 24 to 17. Um, they kind of won a Fresno type game in Boise. Shame on us, I guess, for just picking any team going into a night game in Boise. It's so rare, especially in conference play that, mm-hmm. um, it happened. Yep. Fresno still number one in the G5 in your rankings, and uh, that's okay. That's okay, buddy. Um, I was really hoping they'd fall out of the top ten so I didn't have to do that much. You have to do the justification. But basically, they were seventh. Let's put it this way. They were seventh. Anytime a mid-major loses, we assume they're going to fall a decent amount. But Boise State is 35th. They are between Iowa State and USC. Well, okay, let's skip USC. They're they're right below Iowa State and Iowa, Boise State is. So if Mm -hmm. Fresno State had gone to Iowa State and lost by a con- by a touchdown in controversial fashion, we would not expect them to drop all that much. That's really that's how I'm going to justify it in my own head. Uh, Fresno plus I was talking about dominance. Like the Fre- Fresno State or S&P plus rewards dominance and and Fresno State's going to end up quite high in S&P unless they start getting dominated. They did not get dominated uh, and so they they only fell a little bit. Bill, if there's one game yesterday that was emblematic of the day <laughs> it was uh the slog that was ohio state michigan state oh, we skipped one we skipped one no we did oh, no 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 nope, you're right yeah, I, yeah. I skipped never mind sorry we skipped well we, we skipped talking I, I about the you, actual I, fresno game yeah. yeah no i thought ucf was next my bad um so uh the actual you know, the football part of this was pretty horrific there's nothing really to take from it but it, it was definitely representative of the day which was favored team sort of scared but just really actually slow to finish maybe, off inferior maybe, team no. Yeah, no, it it was great punting. There was a lot of punting. There was a lot of punting. And well, it was, was bad punting for punting. it was a bad punting for a second. Oh yeah, and they, then, both teams. That's right. Both then teams, the punting got better. <laughs> both teams had terrible punts in the first half, but then Ohio State pinned like the first. What was the first four drives for Michigan State in the second half were all inside like their eleven or something like that. It was 
it was it was a very field position, a Woody Hazy game, and and that's where Michigan State tends to thrive, and Ohio State won. So good for him. Um, you're head of the G five. Yes. Central Florida still undefeated. Um, it's weird. I actually was talking about uh, Fresno State and Utah State in the context of the best G five because yeah. <laughs> Central Florida does make enough noise where I almost lump them out of our little darling, you know, get, get prop up the G5 campaign. Or we're just trying to give them new disrespect bottom. I don't know. But all I know is that the noise has paid off because we just found out, obviously, game day is going to be headed yep. to UCF for another great week. <laughs> uh, UCF, not survived. Not survived. Yeah, they were, but... never, they were never tested all that much. But Well, uh, that's a bad word. They were never seriously in danger. They were tested. Yes. Uh, Navy, not good this year. No. Navy's defense is very not good no, this year. No, the fact that they only scored whatever. How many did they score on Navy? 35. 35. That, that's an upset. That probably helped Navy's defensive numbers, I bet. Let's see. Where, where is Navy defensively now? They are, yeah, they are 120. That might be better than last week. Okay. Oh. Yeah, that's it's still not good. Still not good. Hey. hey Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, hang on. Let me think about something positive. <laughs> well, wow, they have 42 points without Ian Book. This is true. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, no, they, this is a, a finishing drives kind of game. They, both teams, Florida State and Notre Dame, scored uh, or created six scoring opportunities. Notre Dame did a little more with theirs. Just a bit. And Notre Dame got two points off of one of uh, Florida State's scoring opportunities when they blocked that kick, uh, the, the PAT, and took it back for two points. So... This was dominant, and it was it was even more dominant than it was projected to be, and yeah. and it was a really good sign, especially with Hattie and Book, the, the defense. Now we we've talked, we've heard, we've read all about how horrible Florida State's offensive line is this year, and, and Notre Dame's defensive front is very very good. So this was never going to be that serious a game, um, but yeah, they they. They did their part. They're, they're at least not tied with Fresno State and S&P Plus anymore. Okay, Oklahoma. Here's, so, so here's the compliment I can pay Oklahoma. They're good. They're not just Kyler good, right? They were good running the ball. Yep. They can engineer these games, and I've, I, I challenge you to show me a, like a, a, title, a, a national title caliber team in recent memory that can put themselves in these shootout situations and look comfortable the entire time. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah, that was uh, uh, somebody, man, this is source of a source of a source. Somebody on Twitter last night uh, pointed out, I think it's since in the last like five years or so, they have won, I think it was five games while allowing 45 or more points. That's amazing. And nobody else has won more than one of those games. So they're like, yeah, we hope to stop you. But if we don't, it's fine because you're, you're not going to stop us either. They are, for all the talk about Tua yeah. and Alabama, they are still five points. God, they are still so f- they are five and a half points ahead of Alabama in offensive S&P plus. They are at 51.9 right now. Alabama, the amazing Alabama is only at 46.4. This is a freaking machine. And uh, no, I don't want to go there. I was starting to like, I want to. Two is going to win the Heisman, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, but really, maybe that's what I, I was going to go there. Honestly, I'm, because I'm not. As, maybe, we're, maybe we're more okay with that than we should be because Kyler Murray has been amazing. This is an anti Heisman podcast, of course. You guys know that, but also this this Kyler Murray campaign may be one of the most unrecognized, underrecognized. Yeah. Which and is gonna, bizarre gonna, to say because it's not like he's at a brand name institution. And he's going to finish second. It's just yeah. we really, this was a year where uh, the guy who won the September Heisman actually just kept right on playing really well. It's unbelievable. And so nobody out there, there just hasn't been hype for this at all. And, and he's been really good. Uh, number four, Michigan. Hey, congrats to Rutgers for that one touchdown. That was amazing. He like used the ref to screen him off from defenders. It was very, it was crafty. This sparked an SB Nation debate as uh, a couple of us were watching this where basically we were all deciding, could you... 
give Rutgers a shot in this game by adding a 12th player on the field. <laughs> That's basically all the analysis that we could provide for Michigan destroying Rutgers. And I don't know if you saw this, but in the post game, uh, Jim Harbaugh was complimenting the head coach of Rutgers. Rob Ash is a guy. Rob Ash is a coach. I thought he said Ron. Did he say Rob? I thought it was Rob Ash. Um, not that it matters because it's Chris Ash. Um, right, Chris? Yeah, it is okay, Chris. Yeah, yes, yeah. the name Rob, of the Rutgers coach is, is Chris Ash. Rob yes. Ash uh, was Montana State's head coach uh, and Drake's head coach for a long period of time. And as, I, as, as I'm picking through the bio, there, is there any way in which like Harbaugh would have crossed <gasps> paths with oh, this man? W- yes. Okay, Rob Ash... Is, works for Championship Analytics now. That's right. And I bet Michigan has worked with Championship Analytics. And you think that he's, was it? He's basically the coach. Like, Championship Analytics is a service. Like, they help you do, like, make better, like, fourth down decisions and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and and Rob, I've seen Rob Ash's name in interviews and whatnot. Uh, I, I, well, I don't have, <laughs> I think that's probably the best explanation on the board for why he said Rob Ash and not Chris Ash, who is actually the, for now at least, the head coach at the, at the, at Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers University. Yeah, Rutgers, that thing. Uh, I mean, no, I was trying to, I almost said University of Rutgers. Like stumped for him in the post game because I wrote that piece about uh, Larry Fedora last week and, and Paul Johnson doing the same. A lot of people were tweeting at me, mm-hmm. but I said, it, does it count or is it all just false platitudes if he doesn't remember your name? <laughs> um, all right, moving on. Uh, let's just, so that, you know, Georgia won. Yep. Um, I have absolutely no variance on my stance that Jim Chaney is a terrible play caller. <sighs> I'm, I mean, red zone. This is, this is, the, I, I'm now talking about Jim Chaney the way I was talking to you about Sark two months ago. Um, red zone and it, outside of the red zone. He is fine. They hey, Bill, do you know how many points Falcon scored today as we record this against Cleveland? Uh, not enough. Not, not a lot. Um, yeah, Georgia right now is. Third and offensive S and P plus. So Jim Chaney's okay. They yeah. need to. They need a bit of freshening up, shall we say, in the red zone. Uh, they are not nearly good enough in the red zone. But they, otherwise, I mean, seven and a half yards per play against an Auburn defense that was number one in S and P plus like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Where are they now? Auburn is now twelfth or twentieth. They're falling fast, but they're still a good defense. This is probably not the week to mention this because they only gave up ten points to Auburn. But early <laughs> yeah. on in that game, yeah, they don't look like Georgia's defense. They, did they last are year. the most expensive bend don't break defense in the world. Um, yeah. they do not. They are not nearly as disruptive as they were last year, and they don't have Rokon. They don't have some of the guys in that front seven that were so disruptive. But they don't allow big plays uh, and on offense. It's almost like a high-powered triple option right now. They're running the ball so well that they, they control the ball and you get a little desperate and then you start making mistakes. Um, so speaking of just sort of like coming in slightly disappointing and then just dragging your sorry ass past a bad <laughs> opponent, Clemson goes to Boston College. You just called them a bad opponent. You hate Steve Adazio. I guess I do. I don't know. Um, you know, it, maybe that's just subliminal. Maybe it's because the program's in Boston. Who knows? Uh, Clemson goes in. Uh, they sort of distractedly wander through this process, and they win twenty-seven to seven. Uh, Watch the first half. I don't have much to add. I checked in after the Trevor Lawrence touchdown, and then it, it, it was just—it's it, reminiscent of like an Iowa situation where you kind of come in and accidentally play their game, but you're just more talented at it. Yeah, I mean, they just and they, especially when Boston College's quarterback got hurt, like they knew that BC had nothing to scare them with unless they were going to return like another three punts for touchdowns. Uh, by the way, that was a hell of a Boston moment right there. White guy with the hoodie uh, scoring the touchdown and the crowd going crazy. That was Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but they, um, 
but yeah, they just they were very patient. And Boston College is good. Where where is Boston? Where is the where are the Eagles right now in S and P? We obviously didn't talk about them. They I don't know. It sounds like I need to vamp though. Falling to forty six. Okay, well 46. they're not as good. They're they're so they're not as good as they were, but they are still weird and they're good, pretty good defensively. Uh, yeah, they're twenty fifth defensively. Their offense is not good. Uh, especially with the backup quarterback, but um, there it was a weird matchup, and and they confused Trevor Lawrence a little bit, and it didn't matter because the defense was dominating, the offense did just well enough. Um, the receivers can make some sick catches. Uh, like the harder, the better. It seems like they, they you know, they're they're going to miss the easier ones, but. They uh, there were like some the, like awesome highlight moments that weren't really scores in this game. Yeah, T. Higgins had a yeah. couple of them. Yeah, I mean, but that's pretty much the the positive on this category. <laughs> All right, finally, uh, of course, we want to take this moment and congratulate Mississippi State on a Covering. remarkable, they, remarkable achievement. They covered. Uh, they lose twenty four to nothing to Alabama. Of course, Nick Saban was very upset after the game and said that he did notice an, a hangover. Of course, after they shut out LSU. After they shut out a good... Arguably the second best team in the SEC. And if they aren't, then Mississippi State might be. Well, Um, SC West, anyway. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, in all seriousness, uh, it was was solid by Mississippi State in a lot of different ways. Obviously, Tua... You know, we don't know what's going on. We, uh, the injury situation it might be overblown at this point. I, you know, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say. They're not going to give us anything to the, go by. The thing that's weird about that one, too, is it's not is it's that, but it's also, well, why aren't they playing Hurts? Well, there's also a Hurts injury situation. So right. I don't know, man. Look, there's no, there's no reason to take anything away from Mississippi State here. I mean, Alabama's offense was not at its best and still was absolutely fine. Yeah, I think what I was talking last week about how LSU at least made them kind of lean on the run a little more and, and get away from the pass. Uh, the other part of that, like, so basically the first thing you have to do to start to, to beat Alabama is get rid of the pass and then hope that you can hang with them playing brilliant run mm-hmm. offense and brilliant run defense. Well, guess what? The last two weeks, the, the run defense has had to show up. It's kind of sh- sort of showed up. Alabama, they were 20th a couple of weeks ago in defensive S&P Plus. Yeah, they're fifth now. They're fine. They are. Um, here, here's, by the way, a distribution of points. So we, we walked through the ratings, but right now Alabama is at plus 30.9, which means they are 30 or excuse me, 30.5. Mm-hmm. So they are 30.5 points better than the average college football team right now. Uh, Clemson is plus 29.1. So one and a half points behind. Then there's a 3.8 point drop to Georgia, who, by the way, third in the country, might be able to hang with Alabama uh, a little better than we thought. Hey. Hey, we kind of finished on time. Yeah. Wow, I'm and impressed. Then from Georgia, you got a 0.4 points down to Michigan, another half, uh, like another 0.3 to Oklahoma State, and then a four point drop to Notre Dame, who is rising. So. There's separation. <laughs> There's a decent amount of separation. I know other ratings have even bigger separation. Uh, and, and, yeah, it's because Alabama's offense has begun to look a little mortal, and the defense has said, all right, and has started you know, doing its job. So there's a mini box score bingo this season with Nick yes. Fitzgerald, and that is if I tell you his stat line throwing and rushing, you would know, you would know automatically if they won the game or not. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, so when they're even remotely balanced on pass rush with Fitzgerald, they win the game. Uh, just for your own information, Nick Fitzgerald, 11 of 20 passing, 125, right? Workman-like, that's fine. It's Alabama, uh, except that he was sacked five times and he finished with negative 23 yards rushing. So as goes that dual threat, uh, so too does Mississippi State. Yeah, that's not only sacks, but even just counting up, adding up the yards he gained, he only gained 18 yards at any point. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they basically nullified Yeah half of what they want to do to get guys open and create looks and passing off of his threat to run. So it was really a foregone conclusion, which is why 
you shouldn't really worry about what happened in the second and third quarter with the Alabama offense. Yeah, probably so. Uh, by the way, you said box score bingo, and it triggered something. I immediately said yes, even though I didn't know where you were going. Oh, I know rem- where we're going. It reminded me uh, of something else I wanted to bring up. It was yes. making the Twitter rounds yesterday. Uh, blind box score bingo. A lot of people sent us this. Yes. Uh, th- and thank you for being for the fact that you all thought of us first. In front of... 3,115 uh, uh, people in Torero Stadium out in San Diego. Uh, beautiful 75-degree weather there, better than in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, San Diego and Davidson played a football game that was probably one of the most unique games anyone has ever seen. Davidson for, uh, broke out to a 31-7 to lead, uh, and as we'll find out, they're pretty good at running the ball. So, you know, foregone conclusion, except then it was 38-14, 38-21, 38-28, 38-35. Davidson takes a 10-point lead early in the third quarter again. San Diego comes back, and with uh, after two touchdowns in the last three minutes, a, a back and forth, and a 99-yard touchdown pass for San Diego early in the fourth quarter, San Diego prevails 56-52. What's weird about this? Team stats. Ooh. It's unbelievable. It is. It is beautiful. So Davidson passing the ball six for 16 for 63 yards and a pick. That might be why they lost Uh, San Diego rushing the ball. 22 carries, 69 yards. Horrible. San Diego passing the ball 24 for 36 for five, 56 and seven touchdowns, including the 99 yarder. Davidson rushing the ball 73 times, 789 yards, and they lost 789 yards and they lost. Wesley, a guy named Wesley Duggar had 15 for 231. William Wicks had 19 for 197. They almost had two guys with 200. They did have four with 150 because Tyler Phelps had 17 for 153. And Keelan Brown, eight for 150. And they lost. They all had rushes. Three of those four had rushes of 80-plus yards. And they lost by four, and they blew a 24-point lead. Not really fair or suitable for the actual box score bingo format. But if you guys continue to see these, please send them to us because we just like to stare at them like strange dead animals in formaldehyde. There was a 99-yard pass, a 94-yard run, a 90-yard run, and an 80-yard run in this game. Good gosh. All right, William, uh, we will discuss this and uh, try and, I don't know, just muster through as we go into uh, next week's SoCon Saturday. It is. And uh, we, I'm going to take it upon myself to find reasons to watch football on Saturday. Yeah. And maybe it involves a SoCon if it has to. <laughs> maybe so. See you Tuesday. Hey, the Citadel beat South Carolina. There we go. All right. Well, then they're going to beat Bama. See you Tuesday. <laughs>